Welcome to the Turn Up, Turn Down podcast. I'm John Potts. I'm Eric Torres. Thank you so much for joining us today. If it's your first time, welcome. If you've listened to us before, welcome back. Today we're talking about starting a project. An artist, a band has contacted you. You guys have gone back and forth and decided you are going to do the project. That's good news. That's great. You're working. Everyone's excited. Then what? Exactly. Let's get into it. So, John, you decide you're doing a project. What next? The very next thing we should do is define a project. The parameters, right? For sure. How long is it going to be? What's the budget? Who's getting paid what? When are they getting paid that amount? Time frame. Exactly. Everything. Yeah. When when do you need it released? Is that possible? (laughs) Go from there. (laughs) Next week. (laughs) You're right. It's best to get all that knocked out up front, even before you start talking about the music. Yeah, defining everything, being very clear, communication is key. That way everyone's on the same page. It makes it all easier. Money gets so weird if you don't put it in writing. It's the worst. Especially if you're getting projects as referrals or uh, maybe you know somebody who you've known for a while, they finally want to do something. It just makes it so much simpler if you can just... You know, both agree this is what you're getting paid. This is what the project's going to cost when, you know, when you factor in all the other costs or whatever and write it down. This is when this payment is due. And then you don't have to talk about it again. Hopefully, because (laughs) hopefully they don't forget. (laughs) Yeah. Having all that stuff done so you can just be creative after that is the best thing. And also try to, it comes a lot from referrals, I've noticed. Um, Try and ask your clients not to talk about your rates. Just say, yeah you know, he was really fair or whatever it is because that can come back to bite you and all of a sudden you gave this one your buddy rate and they referred someone to you and now this person's expecting a buddy rate and they're not your buddy. <laughs> right, so, right. So that's not that's not cool. Yeah, and, and or you could you could have given somebody a regular rate and then raised your rates True. because you're getting enough business to, to support that. Yeah, yep. so, I mean, that's a conversation that you can have. It's mm-hmm. just uncomfortable. Yeah, but you just have to do it and you have to be – you have to be comfortable with what you're being paid. And once you say yes to that, you have to be okay with it. You know, it's like you can't really go back. If, if it gets excessive, I've done that. You've had – sometimes you have to say, okay, look, this is going a little bit past what we talked about, you know, and you can get some more money or something. But for the most part, you have to be happy with it. So either bump your rates a little bit more if you need to or whatever it is. Just make sure that you're happy and they're happy and get, get to making music. Yeah, it's something we could probably get into a little bit later um, on on some other episodes, but maybe if you see the project going a certain direction, you can talk about hourly mm-hmm. instead of flat. Yeah. You know, something like that. There, there are ways to work around that. So if you've got the numbers set aside, probably the next most important thing to do is pick a studio that will work for the project. So if you have a home studio, awesome. What can you do there? Um, or or your own place, maybe professionally, a small a small project studio that, that you operate out of, you know, a building or whatever. Right. What can you do in that space? What do you need to go somewhere else to do? I mean, if your project is certain genres, you may not need to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. If it's EDM or whatever, you know, right? You, you might you not can just basic pop for the most part. You sure. can get done with a keyboard and <laughs> right. yeah, any DAW. Right. Um, if you're going to a studio, pick a studio that's the right size. Yeah. You know. If you're just going to cut drums and bass, 
I mean, they need to have the equipment to do that, the right room or whatever, but maybe you don't need the biggest studio in town. They can- yeah, and that can save money, and then you can, you know, have more time to do more creative things than, you know, just having a pretty room to look at. Because sometimes that's right. a lot of what it is. It's just setting the vibe. You know, you have this big, beautiful room, and it's inspiring. And Yeah, that's great, but sometimes a bare-bones place that has the necessities and is a quarter of the price is just as good for what you're going for. I, I know for for me and a lot of the projects I've done with, I'll just call them up-and-coming artists who maybe don't have a large budget, it's important to pick something that's going to not eat up all the budget just for the you know the very, the very beginning of the project. Although the studio is a major expense, and you know mm-hmm. you should plan accordingly, but there most studios have great pictures online, and a lot of the ones that I've worked at let you come and hang out maybe the night before, mm-hmm. kind of get a vi- feel for it. Some of them you can maybe even email and say, hey, I'm looking to do a thing there. Can I come sit in on something or right. whatever and try to get a feel for it beforehand, see if it'll work for you. For the most part, we're talking about there's a level, right? Like once you reach a somewhat pro, semi-pro level, they have they have the same pretty equal gear. You know, a lot of it's very equal. You're just looking at how much excess they have. You know, right. like they might just have exactly what you need to get a great drum sound, but not a whole lot more, you know, and that works, but it it's still pro gear. It's still all that kind of stuff. So that kind of brings me to another point. The, the next major thing I would work on, you know, after you've defined the project, after you've picked a studio is pre-production. It's, it's time to start getting into the music. Yep. Now that will make a difference when you're picking a studio. So, you know, if, if a band... If you, you you need to go to the rehearsals, you need to watch some shows. If it's an artist, you need to listen to the play a lot and figure out what they're good at, what will help them. So a, a lot of situations I've been in are like, you go to a rehearsal, the drummer is awesome, right on top of it, bass player is great, but when they go to the studio and the full band isn't necessarily playing, or maybe they're playing to like a pre-recorded guide guitar track or something like that, yeah. the, it falls apart. So you need to figure those things out beforehand <laughs> not when you're on the clock that is a bad money. time to figure it out yep yeah and if you um you know if you need to book a bigger studio even if you're not planning on let's say keeping the guitar tracks or vocal tracks or whatever but if they can just feed off the vibe of a live player mm-hmm. you know your experience is different than mine but a lot of people that i work with it's the first time they've been in the studio sure or or a good one i'm out of murfreesboro a lot of people have done mtsu student projects which is great, you know, yes. and, and it is good first experience, mm-hmm. but it is a different experience when you're footing the bill and, and, and you don't have, you Well, know, and working with a producer. Sure. You know, not just a student, you know, that's, that's right. thankful, as thankful <laughs> for you just to be there yeah. as you are, you know. And, and, you know, there's all sorts of things they need to get prepared for. You need to let them know how, they, they're not expecting that it's going to take four hours to get set up the drums and get a sound, mm-hmm. but... Or just, yeah, just getting drum sounds. They're like, uh, I'm out of energy, and we're we're just we're on Tom two, right? You know, we're just trying to get sounds still. Yeah, it, I mean, being on time. You know, li- you know, listen, guys. If you show up at nine like we've booked, we can start getting <laughs> getting ready. At yep. nine, you know, and those expectations. That's all part of pre production for me. All of it. Yeah, I mean, just going over. So again, outlining stuff. You've done this before as a producer. Me, John, we've done it. Like he said, a lot of these people haven't. Even still, um, you know, a lot of stuff that I do, it's <clears throat> it's uh, artists, independent artists. Um, a lot of it's country. 
you're talking people that are coming in from St. Louis, you know, just coming down here to record their album. They've never been in the studio either. So, and especially never seen a Nashville session where you have six of the top players in the city, you know, that make music every day and just played on hits, you know, radio hits yesterday. Um, it can be overwhelming, you know, and you just, again, just try and prepare your artists for everything possible for the bads, the goods, the, the, adrenaline the everything and you know just trying to get just just define what they're doing define what you're doing to define what everyone's doing it'll help everyone just work more seamless so once we've got past the preparation part of pre-production we can get into the music part of pre-production that's oh the, yeah music that's the best part right? yeah um songs what do you listen for in your pre-production sessions um Again, a lot of my stuff that I do is country, so I'm just looking to cut. Like co-writing's huge, so you usually have a lot of songs to choose from. And if they're not up to it, then you can find songs. But it's just all about Nashville is a song town. Country music is a song genre, lyric-driven, that kind of stuff. So I'm just going through listening to countless songs, getting the artist's opinion, but also trying to not be too swayed by them in the beginning um, me just trying to keep a little perspective of just listening to the song and seeing if this song fits this artist right now. Um, the right song for the right artist at the right time is key. Um, so like I said, that's a little different. That's, that's a very Nashville thing. Um, it kind of isn't. You know, I guess that's that's every genre. A hit song is going to make anybody blow up at the right time. Um, but that's, that's kind of the first thing. So we're talking about it. I'm hearing a bunch of songs. Uh, I'll take some time to listen separately as well as with them and, uh, just start defining, you know, narrowing it down, start from 30. Um, if we're cutting six songs, we'll start with 30 songs we're listening to take that out of 20, just find things that don't work and just get songs. The easier you can get songs out of the way, the, the better. Um, if something just sticks out, you just like get rid of it or maybe a rewrite, but that's something different. Um, and just whittle it down and try and get down to the to at least one or two over what you're planning on releasing. But yeah, getting down to the songs. What do you think? I think the songs are as important as anything, right? right. I mean, hopefully that's why the band is doing what they're doing, or the artists because <laughs> they got good songs. From a cutting bad songs, we've already established that prior to this <laughs> is never a good no. thing. The, Cut great songs, it makes everyone's life easier. The bands that I work with, it's a similar situation. I usually tell them, just play me all your songs. Yeah. Or every one that you're considering recording, I guess. Right. You know. But sometimes there is that there is that little, like, you know, creeper over here, not creeper, but, you know, like the the stepchild over here that sure. everyone thinks is weird, and you go, wait, guys, that's magic. Like, finish that song bef- before we're recording because we're cutting it. Yeah, it's, always, it's yeah. always the one they wrote last week. Hey, we, we just wrote yeah, this one. Yeah, and it's, totally. like, not done, but totally. it's got some magic to it. Yep. I, the other thing I find is so random, the... The song that when when they play me all their songs, I'm like, this one's awesome. They're like, that's the first song we wrote. Yep. And they're all sick of it. You know, they've been playing it for four years, but it's like, sorry, it's yeah. your best one. Yeah, I bet Bono's sick of the songs he wrote. Absolutely. You know, when he was 16 <laughs> as well. And it's the same kind of thing. Get get an idea of, you know, if a band says, we want to do an EP somewhere between five and eight songs, and they play you ten, if you only hear four good ones, Tell them, yeah. Be say, honest. hey, maybe let's let's work on a smaller EP. Let's mm-hmm. let's shoot for three to five instead of eight. Yeah, and just make a tighter and take the time. Yeah, you know, you don't have to spread it as thin. It's really it's going to be a better project. 
a right. much, 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 much better project. There's not going to be any fat. There's not going to be any tracks, you know, just like album cuts. It's just going right. to be three powerhouse songs that you guys had much more time to work. If you were planning on cutting eight and you were kind of budgeting that out a little bit, now you only have to pay for three. Let's really take some time and craft these songs and do more pre-production. Just really get them honed in. Everyone will be happier. I would say that in my personal experience, the budget conversation sometimes makes the song conversation easier. <laughs> it's like, if you only have this much, we only got this much time. So like, yeah. you can only do right. four or whatever. Yeah. We want to do 10, yeah. but we've got the budget for two. So <laughs> let's cut one. <laughs> can we do a half day in the studio and record drums for 10 songs? Right. <laughs> no, I don't think so. So Been there, done that. Well, Yeah. <laughs> So after I've kind of worked with them to maybe pick the songs, I'd say the next thing I do is is really just start diving in, going to rehearsals, going to shows. There are some things that I do at every rehearsal that I go to that I, I just would recommend on on a broad scale, and it's get the band to turn down. Right. The, the bands don't realize how loud they practice, especially if, like, college kids or, or younger bands. Well, or they have their settings, and it sounded great there, so I got to leave it there. It's it's fun to play loud. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really fun. And there are some, sometimes you need to turn up to, to get what you need, but if you can't hear what the other guitar player's doing, and if the vocalist can't hear what the guitars are doing, or whatever. So I try to get the drummer to play with small sticks, maybe even throw some towels over the drums, maybe even cut the cymbals out for rehearsal right. sake. Let's or hear whatever. the parts. Yeah, and... And then the, after they've gotten them to turn down, I get them to play everything individually. So rhythm guitar player, don't play drums, bass, and, and lead guitar, whatever. Just so everybody can just get an idea of what's going on. Or really, in this case, me, right. you know, before we go into the studio. But it helps them, too. Absolutely. Because a lot of times they've never heard a song in that context. You're like, oh, you play that there? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. We're not even playing the same chord. You know, sometimes it's cool, but it's... Right. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that turning down is... is probably the has been the most beneficial thing I can get. That's great do. advice. Yeah. It really is. I learned it from myself. <laughs> in practices <laughs> I went to <laughs> with my bands. Is there any specific things that you can... Yeah, so we keep going back and forth like this because we kind of work in a little bit different worlds, you know, a, a little bit. I do the country independent or like not independent artists, but solo artists, I should say. Um so I go and try and see people at writer's rounds, acoustic shows, anything I can to hear that person sing. Because that's, you know, that's what I'm going to be dealing with them the most. They're not going to be, usually not going to be playing their own instruments and that kind of stuff. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But, um, you know, just hearing that person sing, hearing what they can do, hearing what they can't do, seeing stuff that they have no idea. I'll videotape things. People don't do that. I know some bands get in that mode of recording their rehearsals and that thing, which is great. Um, uh, especially you know, these days, a lot of bands have their own little yeah, GoPro DAW or something. Yeah, yeah. Or, or something they can two channel something. Yeah, iPhone, put yeah. it up, record it. It's a great tool later on because you can point out parts. I can say, you know, remember this thing. And again, I I already have that song to start living with before we track with it, so that's great. Um, any way to do that is awesome. 
Does that kind of cover that for you on what, what we're looking for? Absolutely. I think that there's some, once you get past the performance aspect, there are musical things I listen for. For my process, you know, typically, like I said, small bands or, or small time bands that don't have a huge budget, we're usually recording in a certain way. We're going to the studio just to grab drums and bass, maybe some scratch guitar, something like that. So there's an order to the project. I don't want it to sound what, I, what, I'm, about, what I'm about to say, that, that guitar parts don't matter or keyboard parts don't matter. They absolutely do. Mm-hmm. But the most important part of a song is, number one, the vocal, and the second part is the dynamics, in my opinion. You know, maybe we can quibble about what that means, but I think that if if you're going to record drums first, those parts have to be figured out. They and the, and the thing to figure out is what does this song need and when do they need it? Does it need impact? Does it need something laid back? Does it whatever the vibe is for right. whatever specific part is much more important than what they're actually playing. It, you, you know, like the the actual tom fill, like right. Do a laid back tom fill, not hey man, can you play the top tom with sixteenth right. notes? Da, da, yeah, da, da, exactly. Da, 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 boom, boom. I try not to be too specific with parts unless there's I don't know something jumps out of me that I hear more often or not. It's they play the song Round six different ways, yeah. and I'm like the, the second one you did was the right one, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it needs an open tom fill. It needs it needs right. to not. Or it needs to ga-ga-ga-ga-ga, right. or whatever it is. It needs to you got to figure like, out transitions. How, how that stuff is going to translate. And part of that's experience. You've yeah. recorded enough, hopefully, yeah. you know. How it's going to come out of the speakers. Right, yeah. Sometimes bashing a cymbal isn't the best way to get loud. Yeah. You know, those kind of things you, you can figure out. But the guitar parts and, uh, you know, how they work with that is important. Try to work out as much of that as you can beforehand. But if... You know, like the lead player, you know there's going to be a lead part, but he hadn't quite figured it out. Maybe it's not the most important thing to lock that down before you go track the drums. Yeah, it's not. Sometimes it is, but not always. Very rarely, Yeah, I would say. Sure. Yeah, so dynamics are, are really what I'm looking for at those rehearsals. The vocals, how the dynamics support the vocals, but unfortunately a lot of times at a rehearsal you're not getting the full effect of what the vocal's doing. Mm-hmm. So it's not maybe the best time to pick that apart. Right. Structure, right? Also, yeah, but you, you can, know, you, can you can work structure. on the arrangement for the arrangement, sure. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> structure arrangements, all the same. The funny thing sometimes in pre-production meetings with solo artists is that you don't have any musicians in the room. We end up um, if they do have a demo of a song or something, you can get demoitis. You know, you get stuck with that demo because you've heard it so much. So I really try and get to the bare bones of the song get a guitar vocal, I'll play guitar, whatever it is. And again, we might work on that dynamic and we'll work on arrangement, all that kind of stuff. And you kind of try and talk about things, you know, like, okay, well, this feels like it could have that kind of groove in the verse and then kind of comes up to this four on the floor thing. You you kind of go through those things in your head and try and talk to the artist about it. Um, but when you're working with session players, it's a game changer because – you have this idea in your head and um, you get in the studio and everyone has a chart. They're all looking at it. You play them the uh, guitar vocal. And they're hearing the song for the first time. And again, these people's 30 years of experience and their expertise level of playing, they're thinking something completely different than I would think as a very amateur player. Um, and so you have to 
be able to think on your feet and say, okay, that wasn't what I had. Like they're playing this thing super kind of groove heavy and I was hearing it much more like driving. Um, which one's better? You have to have that discernment. You have to be talking to your artist. You have to say, this isn't what we talked about. Are you feeling it? And sometimes it's magic. Sometimes you, you have to say, hold up guys. Um, you know, we were kind of thinking this groove again. Let's try and chase that a little more. So what I'm saying is your pre-production is great, but it might go out the window as soon as you get into that session. And you also have to be able to change gears if you need to. Um, so I think that's that's a, that's a much different thing when you're working with session players. Do you feel like sometimes you could maybe put a lead line down on the demo, just guitar, vocal, or whatever, if you have like an inspiring moment in the pre-production Session players cool with working with that kind of stuff? Absolutely. Most session players, really good session players, their their ego is usually checked at the door. Um, I've had people, will and not in a smart ass way, but just willing like you're kind of singing. No, this guitar, this guitar. You know, say the artist is a guitar player. Right. Said, man, I was doing this lead thing. It's like, dude, come in here. Just come show me. It's going to be way easier. Just come. In, here's my guitar. Play it, and then they'll. And then you say, okay, take that, put your little flavor on it, and all of a sudden it sounds like magic. So that helps That helps a lot. Um, I think the next big thing when it comes to pre-production is references. I love to get at least – I just ask artists to give me a playlist um, of at least 10 songs up to 50, you know, of just songs they love it for whatever reason, whether it's um, – just the whole vibe of the song. They like they love the space in it. They love this intimate vocal that's like right, you know, that kind of just cool stuff. They love vocal effects, the guitar riff, uh, the drum sound, whatever it is. Um, maybe they don't even know. They just say, I, I, I love this song. Um, that gives me a great idea of what their ear's drawn to. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to try and make them sound like that, but it's going to start sparking ideas when I'm in there and knowing like, okay, well, this, this uh, you know, they don't like... They don't like keyboards. They haven't showed me anything. None of their stuff has any keyboards. They like like straight up rock or maybe it's like Americana. It's like acoustic and that kind of thing. It just gets you in their headspace a little bit, um, especially when you get why they like songs. I think that's one of the most helpful things for me, their, their musical tastes and um, kind of what makes them happy about music. A good sort of, I don't want to say flip side to that, another good thing about references is you hear what inspires bands, and then when they play something that's too close to it, <laughs> you can maybe let them know, right? <laughs> hey, guys, it sounds right. almost exactly like that riff you right. showed me. Yep. Maybe let's tweak it a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's good for musical language. A lot of times it gets lost in translation, what you're trying to say. Yeah, vibey, vibey, roomy, late, yeah, spacious, late. like ethereal. Totally, yeah. Roomy is probably the biggest one. People don't understand, <laughs> or it's it's not the same. People use that word for a lot of things, right? And uh, warm is the other one. Warm, yeah. And, and you know, I think I know what it means, but I know what warm means, <laughs> <laughs> but not, obviously but it's usually, not. <laughs> it's usually not what they mean. <laughs> so establish. It's easier to talk in terms of, hey, you show me this track. It had this thing, right? And, and you can you can kind of. I, I got. Uh, I was working on a project one time, and uh, the I wasn't producing it. I was sort of co. I don't even know how to say it. I was engineering it, kind of. I wasn't a musician on it, and the producer kept saying things like. We want this to sound like Arcade Fire. Well, there's four Arcade Fire records. Right. And they all sound different. So 
like you said, getting a five or ten songs is much better than tell me artists you're into because th- that can be. I mean, what if, if somebody said the Beatles? How that wouldn't be very descriptive, right? I have a well, I have a specific thing in my head when I think of Beatles, and I bet it's not what you think, <laughs> right? You know, so it, it, yeah. that doesn't help. But it, so piggybacking on that, having a huge or as big as big of uh, musical dictionary as possible is a huge thing for a producer just so someone can throw out a reference of you know a leonard cohen song or an arcade fire song or a uh you know whoever bjork bjork yeah pleasure is all mine you know like whatever (laughs) to know what they're talking about and not you know and to just get it it helps so much you can just be moving on like oh i totally get that boom you also, relay it to the musician or whoever it is, you're off to the races. It, it helps a lot. Don't be afraid to tell someone you don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> this is not the time for ego, right? That is correct. Because that will lead you <laughs> lead you down the wrong road there. Yeah. So, yes, references help so much. Use them. They are your friend. I think that about wraps up our thoughts on the opening stages of, of making a record. Yeah, I think that kind of covers it. That's uh, tips, you know? Yeah, and tips is a great way to put it. Please do not think that you have to do this item by item. This is reflective of our experience. Everybody's going to be a little different. They're going to hopefully develop their own process. If you've got something that you do every time you make a record, let us know. Yes, please. We would love to learn from you as well. This is a conversation. Let's hear from you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back soon. Yes, thank you so much for listening. Please uh, hit us up any questions or stuff that you want to talk about, want us to talk about. Our email's in the show notes. Follow us on Instagram, all the socials. That's it. Thank you so much. Bye.